after our uh, 200th episode, I put out a picture of us on Instagram with our bottle from Galen. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, that's what you guys look like. And I realized oh. I never put anything of us up. Yeah, you're right. I think maybe there's been like two pictures. It doesn't happen often. Ever. And then uh, Lauren, friend of the show, was asking if we do a video podcast. Oh. And I said no because I edit and adding video into my workflow seems like too much. Yeah, that seems hard. So I uh, probably know <laughs> that'll never happen. <laughs> and plus, I cut out a lot of things. I cut out ums and things like that yeah. for the most part. I'm not this polished in real life. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, probably we won't do a video podcast, but we should maybe, oh, we could turn it on right now. We could just Instagram live us yeah. podcasting. And if you happen to catch it, you get an episode like a week early. True. I feel like that would be a very boring thing to watch. Yeah, I think so too. Well, let's uh, start things up and uh, do a podcast. Okay, sure. Well, welcome everyone to our audio only podcast. I love this. You should too. My name is Indy Randall, and with me is my co-host, whose shoulders I ride on every day, <laughs> with a gun in each hand, into battle. And then meanwhile, you're just kicking the shit out of people. Yeah, and loading your guns. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a whole routine that we do. Yeah. We've been training for it for a yeah. while. Who needs a gym? <laughs> and we are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. And if the title of this episode hasn't given it away, we are talking about the movie RRR, sometimes called Rise, Roar, Revolt. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be a spoiler-filled episode, so if you haven't seen that movie, just go watch it. And we'll see you in three hours. Yep. Come uh, right back here yeah. and uh, listen to everything we have to say. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have a lot to get into. So maybe before we get into anything, let's thank our first sponsor of the episode, and that is Park Power. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you are choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local non-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power. And we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it is a great fit. To learn more and how you can switch over to Park Power, head to parkpower.ca. All right, Sam. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this episode. Why? I have so much to say. I had a feeling that was going to be the case. <laughs> so much that I don't even want to bother getting into. I have so many personal feelings about my relationship to this movie over the last year, mm -hmm. interactions I've had with others regarding this movie, and then I just want to talk about like how fucking awesome it is as well. <laughs> okay. There, there's so many things, so I don't even know where to begin. But one thing I can say confidently is that I do still love this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't heard our podcast before, how it works is we each take turns suggesting a movie to the other. And this was my pick, something that I saw not too long ago for the first time, fell in love with it, and have now gotten Samantha to watch. So maybe we should start off in a very classic way. Sam, I love this movie. Do you? I think I love it. How could you not? It's epic. Yeah. But it, and it's like, Marvel level like skills 
without all the glamour and like pizzazz of Marvel. And I mean that in like a really good way. It's like a stripped down Marvel movie and it's incredible. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. The, okay. um, <laughs> the feel of this movie, and I think what you're saying by equating it to a stripped down Marvel movie is we're kind of getting away from a lot of the artifice. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird thing to say because this movie is in- uh, incredibly artificial. Yes. It's over the top. <laughs> it's super polished as well. That's kind but of in why a very I put different it, way. Yeah, that's why I put it like a Marvel movie because like clearly regular humans can't do some of the things that they do in this movie, but um, it's not done in a way that makes me think that they're magic, like lots of the Marvel superheroes are. There's an astonishing amount of humanity Mm -hmm. to this movie. So much of it, like the emotions are very simple. There's not always a lot of nuance to the feelings in this movie. And you don't often see a movie like that because it's it's melodramatic. It's a straight melodrama, but in a good way. There's so much like apologizing and honor and self-sacrifice, things that we don't often see in popular movies or at least in Western movies. And there's a a real simplicity to it. It, Mm. As confusing and as layered as this movie is, there's a lot of simplicity or clarity to this movie like i know i am mr anti-hero and i want nuance to everything (laughs) i don't i live in those gray areas and all the movies that i talk about you do but i appreciate this kind of simplicity because usually when it comes down to big western blockbusters you have thoughts of like well why is that guy doing that why is he here why do we care about what this person's doing are we supposed to like this guy he kind of seems like a jerk (laughs) And they put in a lot of things that I wouldn't exactly call nuance, but rather they just um, convolute the Mm -hmm. plot. And they're like, see, look, it's complicated. Therefore, complicated equals good. Yeah. But in this movie, everyone's motives are, are very clear or become clear. And how they become clear is a fun ride. Or how single minded they are in their goal Mm -hmm. is a really fun ride as well. But everything here is clear. We know who these people are. We know what they want, even if one of the big things is a big misdirect in that respect. Yeah, yeah. It's not convoluted. No. Yeah, they definitely stay out of that. This movie has, like, a lot of heart and seems very... So much. Like, earnest in its delivery, as opposed to a Marvel movie that is very convoluted and not really from the heart there's a detachment to Mm -hmm. the majority of um of action movies in the west and that's not the case in this one everything is sincere Mm -hmm. in earnest there isn't a sense of irony at all and it's all kind of filtered through a real joyous lens Mm -hmm. as well and that's not just the emotions of all these people but even if you get into the editing like the a lot of action movies especially with such huge set pieces you get lost and you're not exactly sure what's happening. You're like, oh, this is a cool thing. Who's that guy? I don't know. Some robots mm-hmm. getting smashed. And that is never an issue here. They allow the shots to have more time than we typically get in big action movies. That kind of grounds us in these characters, in these spaces, and makes all of this completely unbelievable stuff a little more believable. Yeah, and like just the the length of shots is a really good thing to bring up because... In, I'm going to just like really rag on Marvel movies right now. But, but I think that's an apt comparison, yeah. right? So I have some sensory issues from having long COVID. And so I can't watch really choppy things. And this movie, because they let 
the shots sit, it's a lot easier to watch for one. And then also it's just like you really get to see the actors shine and it's not all about the editing. Yeah, the editing is, I think, uh, amazing in this. But what good editing is, you don't always notice it. It Mm -hmm. helps enhance the story and the performances and the visuals. And I think that's the case here. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we already got into editing, but let's... uh, (laughs) The end. (laughs) let's, Let's go back. Okay. Let's go back and follow me, if you will, on a journey. And I want to try to get all of this out quickly because I think the best way to talk about this movie is maybe just to go through it. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm Mr. Like, research and I was like, oh, so this is a reference to blah, 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 <laughs> blah. I'm going to try to stay away from that as much as possible. Okay. I say we just go through this movie and talk about like, why is that scene awesome? Yeah. And of course, that's going to get pretty formal and we'll break things down and maybe it'll get into referential stuff. But yeah. We just should just get back to what this podcast is about and explaining why you love something. Yes. Rather than always strictly analyzing. And I'm sure that's going to sneak in there too because I'm still me. That's going to come out. But let's celebrate this movie. So maybe what we should do is get rid of all of that kind of backstory at the beginning. Set up a little bit of context. Maybe if you're not familiar with Indian cinema, a little bit of context there and our personal context too. Yeah. And then we'll just go through the movie and go like, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I feel like I'm just going to have fun today just being like, that was incredible. I have no idea how they did that. <laughs> so I saw this movie on Netflix for the first time. And we did a good episode kind of breaking down a lot of context way back when it was a thing of the week. So you can listen to that one and we'll just try to avoid it today maybe. I started watching it at midnight thinking that I'll just watch a little bit at a time mm-hmm. and get through it over a week because it's a three-hour movie. And it was so enthralling that I ended up watching it that night and in the subsequent three weeks probably showed it to three different people and watched it three more times. So I was really in on it. It was so refreshing. And then to me personally, it's kind of cool to see an Indian action star because we don't get to see that here where we live or in English language movies. And I'm someone of Indian descent, and it was kind of fun. Because yeah. I, I don't see that lots, and I don't watch a lot of Indian movies. The Indian movies I tend to watch are from the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. and they are small, quiet movies. Because that's the kind of stuff I usually <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, it was really cool to see a bunch of people be superheroes that weren't mostly white. It was very cool. Yeah, and we're starting to get that in other movies. Yes. but. Being someone of Indian descent, that's something we haven't really gotten mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. We have a couple of, when well, we have like one Chinese superhero <laughs> and a couple of black ones. And yeah. that's progress and that's good. But, you know, there's a lot more to be done there's still. There's more that needs to be done. But then uh, we did the episode where it was my thing of the week. And mm-hmm. I got a lot of like really negative uh, feedback. What? Online because... And so originally I was like, oh, yeah, I should just stay away from all of that kind of stuff. And then I looked at it and I was like, no, if a bunch of right wing fascists are angry at me. Yeah, fuck those dudes. You're doing something right. You can comment on all of our (laughs) stuff as much as you want and say like, yeah, death to whoever. You're the dick, not me. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stay away from that, (laughs) I guess. And then this movie has maybe more than any other movie in in recent memory is something that I would love to see in a theater. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that opportunity. And then the opportunity came up and then I couldn't go for like sad reasons. And then I had a kind of a negative association with the movie 
because, you know, I missed out on that and some other bad stuff happened. So you kind of roll things in together. Mm -hmm. So watching it, I've seen it actually twice in the last week now. Yes, yeah. Because I watched it with a friend of the show, Galen. Galen. And um, (laughs) trying to like bring back that joy that I first experienced when I saw this movie. So I would like to just watch the movie and talk about it in, in that respect, because this is a truly joyous movie. Yes. So we, should we just throw a bunch of context? Yeah. And then get into it? Yeah. So this is a movie from India. A lot of people know about Bollywood cinema, which is kind of shorthand for movies that are made in Mumbai, which is the movie capital of the world. And India itself is producing way more movies than any other country. But it's not all Bollywood. Just like mm-hmm. all English language movies are not Hollywood. Lots are shot in Toronto or New York or Vancouver. It's not all Hollywood. Not all Indian cinema is Bollywood. This one is often called a Tollywood movie because it's a movie in Telugu and the Telugu and Tamil language ones are often called Tollywood from because of where they are produced. Mm-hmm. And the title of this movie is kind of interesting in itself because it is called RRR. We take that as Rise, Roar, Revolt because that's something that they tacked on after the fact. But in reality, this just came from the working title. Because this movie features Ram Charan, who's one of the biggest celebrities in all of India, NTR Jr., who is one of the biggest celebrities in all of India, and is directed by S.S. Rajamuli, who is the biggest director in all of Indian cinema. Mm -hmm. So it's bringing these huge names together in a way that usually does not happen in Indian cinema or in a lot of places, really. It's kind of like when Heat came out for me, that was a big thing because it was Pacino and De Niro And they were going to be in a movie together. And that was uh, very exciting to someone who was a big fan of both of those people. Mm -hmm. And you're getting that here. But this is like if Pacino and De Niro, instead of having their couple of meetups in a coffee shop, they have epic dance scenes together and fight each other and are best of friends. So (laughs) it's a lot more. And the working title was RRR, one R for each of those people. And it became such a thing online that they're like, yeah, we're just going to call it RRR now. We're leaning into the fact that we are celebrating that these people are actually coming together in one movie. And that's kind of an amazing thing in itself. Mm. And Rajamuli is such a big director that I think it's three of the top five highest grossing Indian movies ever are his movies. Oh. And uh, Telugu is a language that is not the majority and the majority of... Indian movies and the highest grossing ones especially had always been Hindi movies but now that is changing just because of him and the the strength of the box office draw of the movies that he's been making so now the highest grossing movies in India are actually Telugu which is kind of like if suddenly French movies were the biggest ones in Canada you're like oh huh interesting interesting yeah like I know they have that there but it's never been the majority And this movie is, of course, a work of fiction, but there is some real historical context, not just in the the era when the British were colonizing India and all the the Indian people were subjugated, but rather these people are also based on real people. They've taken a lot of liberties, of course, and the two characters never met in real life, but they are based on real people. Rama Raju was a leader in a bunch of rebellions, and he actively stole guns from police stations. That was part of his thing, so that kind of got changed into this, where he is working to arm an entire people, and he was kind of given the title as a folk hero of uh, the hero of the jungle. 
So he was a real guy that gained a lot of notoriety for stealing guns from cops because that's what he would do. He would break in, steal all their guns and try to arm people like that. Uh, Komaran Bim was also a real guy. He was a revolutionary leader in the Hyderabad state and he was from those Gond tribes. So he was kind of seen as someone who quite literally grew up in the jungle. So didn't know how to read or write in early life, learned those things, learned some other languages, uh, became a union organizer, led revolts, and that slogan of water, forest, land, which we see later in the movie, is was his kind of um, call to action that lots of people rallied behind. So they were real, actual revolutionaries, and this is just kind of the story of, like, what if they met, uh, became best friends, helped each other pick up ladies, um, <laughs> had their back in dance battles, then have a big falling out, an epic fight. But you know what? Join forces to take down the British in the end. <laughs> and who wouldn't want to see that? I want to see that. It was um, it's like a crazy synopsis when you really like break it down just like a few sentences yeah. like that. You're like, I can see why this movie is three hours because there's like no real slow spots in this movie. It's a three hour movie that doesn't let up for an instant no it's just go 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 and uh there were so many things like action sequences dance sequences like songs i thought i was like okay well you know there's got to be a lull here somewhere right like yeah if you wanted to make this movie shorter i have no idea what you would cut no you could probably save a half hour if you cut out all of the slow motion and made it regular speed but please don't because i loved it because it's epic (laughs) (laughs) well let's go through it then so we start off in the jungle and we get the sequence where this evil woman from indiana jones is back she used to be a nazi now she's the wife of a british general sergeant army guy it says administrator but administrator some some real dick it's like the head guy in india basically at least of that area yeah, yeah. and she buys a child mm-hmm. and that's where we get set up and very early on we get this speech of equating the life of an indian to a bullet and how a bullet is worth more Mm -hmm. and this is going to be a theme that goes throughout the movie and comes back right at the end and right off the beginning we start off with some really brutal violence i think the most brutal violence of the entire movie is the first little glimpse of violence yeah because molly's mom is hit with a stick because they don't want to waste a bullet and that is a crazy place for a movie to start and uh where would you go from there Probably to maybe the best action sequence ever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that just says the story. We don't have any titles yet. No. And then we get another title that just says the fire. And we get a sequence. Well, how would you explain this sequence? There's people rioting in front of a British military kind of outpost. um, And they are fenced in, the British. And um, the bad guy mr buxton uh is like get me that man who's protesting and kind of riling everyone up and so uh rom runs and like jumps over a fence and uh dives right into all of these protesters so that's our introduction to rom and 
what an introduction. He is essentially a superhero. We get that very quickly. But we also are kind of put on edge because this movie from its opening sequence said the British people are the bad people of this movie. Yes. And suddenly we have this guy who is portrayed in a very heroic way. But he's on the wrong side. Yes. And that's confusing, but at times you forget it because he is uh, charismatic on screen, first of all. He looks super cool. He has a great mustache. And he's out there and he's just beating the shit out of everyone. And by having this giant crowd, but then all of these little close-ups, it's simultaneously both epic, but intimate. Yeah. Like, you get this huge scale and power of one man But then you get that personal level. So every punch he lands feels visceral to you. Yeah. Also, he has like the shit beaten out of him too. So it's not like where he's untouchable. You really get to see the humanity behind him, even though he is sort of a superhero. Humanity is a real good word because we're going to see that a lot. It is a very human film. And I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of movies that have uh, big action sequences in it they try to remove that humanity to Mm -hmm. make it more sanitized or more palatable. And this movie does not do that. And I love like the the composition of all of this sequence, because at one point he gets swallowed up by the crowd. And then we cut inside the pile and he just starts breaking fingers, pulling ears just to make enough room so he can swing his stick again. Mm -hmm. And then he starts doing that. And This is the first instance, actually there's so much, but (laughs) the first instance where I became aware of a theme musically, because there are about four themes in this movie that have three or four iterations each, and how that music changes and evolves is, is amazing. I think the music and sound editing in this movie is amongst the best I've seen maybe ever, Hmm. and that's what it should get an Oscar for, but I don't even think it's nominated. I think it might be nominated for something. I think it got nominated for Best Song. Yeah. And we're recording this before the Oscars. And also, I don't really care about them. So (laughs) we probably won't talk about that too much. But they often just nominate the highest grossing movies, get get the editing awards a lot of the time. Right. And they should take a look at something like this because the sound editing was amazing. Because here we start to get these like kind of low notes that almost sounds like the Jaws theme. Mm -hmm. It starts building up, and then when it comes out, it's this almost militaristic marching-type song that follows Ram around throughout the movie. I love how he breaks out of that kind of cave of humanity. And then that one guy, the Punjabi guy who threw the rock, sees him coming. And he's like, oh, shit, this guy's actually (laughs) coming. And he goes out there, beats up, I don't know, a thousand people. It seems utterly believable while it's happening. And he pulls him back and washes his face in a bucket labeled... Oh, I didn't see what it was. It's labeled fire. Of oh. course, the water he uses is labeled fire. Uh, and that's something that, of course, it's for um, in case of fire, I right. guess is the implication. But we are going to th- see those motifs coming back throughout that Ram is associated with fire and Beam is associated with water. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and he puts his hat back on, gets back in line, stands at attention, and everyone just out of fear disperses because of that. Yeah. And what an introduction. 
Yeah, him being able to like vault himself over that fence into thousands of people is just incredible. And the fact that he gets to his man. And the choreography of that whole sequence was amazing. They're not chopping it so much. No. It's not using editing to hide the things that they can't do. They are using editing to show you all the things that they did. Yeah. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then Rum does not get a promotion despite all of his good work, uh, gets real angry, shows off that he's super jacked, punches through a punching bag. (laughs) And now we get a little bit of what his character is all about. He wants that promotion. There's definitely a lot of eye candy in this movie. (laughs) It's like, it's a fun movie to watch because there's a lot of like very muscly shirtless men in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, two. Two, but still. But you don't need any more than that. (laughs) No, it's enough. (laughs) And then we get a title. Is the movie starting? Nope. We just get another <laughs> title that says The Water. And we have a speech in a British officer's uh, office about how there is a shepherd of the gods, and he'll do whatever he can to get back a lamb who has gone astray, meaning Molly, who was kidnapped and stolen. And then there's this line about, like, what's he going to do? Shoot down the British Empire with his bows and arrows? And then I got super excited because I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's what he's going to do. And it's going to be awesome. And it was. It was awesome. So then we cut to our introduction of Beam. And he's pouring blood over his head. And he doesn't even blink. And it is to entice a wolf to chase him. And then the wolf's chasing him. Oh, and then there's a tiger. (laughs) Now the tiger's chasing him. Why not? And they're catching the tiger for some reason. We don't know why. Not yet. And the tiger gets caught in the net and is um, pulls this elaborate trap apart. But Beam has to then grab the two ropes, <laughs> yeah. pull them together to get the tiger away from him. Of course, the tiger gets right into his face, roars, and Beam screams back at the tiger. Yeah. Which was great. As you do. You know, tigers roaring in your face. You just roar back. He's not scared. No. So then we get the hero shot and he's putting those ropes together, but uh, the rope system breaks. He uses some kind of, mm, I don't know, magic dust, yeah, <laughs> some sort of herb, potion, <laughs> knocks out the tiger and then apologizes to the tiger. Yeah. Which you're like, okay, so this is a little bit different. Gives of the... him like a little blessing yeah. and thanks him for his sacrifice, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. <laughs> Because both of these characters were getting, okay, they're super badasses. But the first guy, he's evil though, right? Yeah. And then the second guy, we're like, oh, but he also loves uh, tigers and is like kind of of the land. And that's the thing that comes back a lot. And then we get the setup that if you find Beam, this guy who is coming here to find this girl, Molly, you can become a special officer. We know that that is something Rom wants. And there's our setup for the whole movie. Yeah. We get our introductions to Jenny, who is related, I think, the niece. I think she's, yeah, she's the niece of Scott. And she is nice and caring. And Beam says, oh, she is caring. Maybe we can use her to get into that house to get uh, Molly back. And there's a chase scene where Ram chases Beam's, he calls him brother, but they are uh, of the same tribe. Is that like everyone's my auntie kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think their their little tribe is 50 people or right. something. <laughs> so everyone's related somehow. And now we go to the meeting of these two characters who've been set up so, <laughs> so epically. And how can you have a more epic meeting than this? Because 
they see each other. There's a, a train that derails and a boy is trapped on the water and they see each other and they're kind of just saying like, hey, you, are are you also a super cool hero? And he's like, yeah, I am. Do you want to go do some badass hero shit? And he's like, yeah, let's go do that. This is all done with hand signs yep. too. This isn't a conversation. They're in two completely different places. <laughs> and we don't need to go into the logistics of it. Just watch the scene. But yeah. it's amazing he wraps himself in the flag to go through the fire. There's that whole handoff thing that was amazing. And if that's not enough, when they link up under the bridge, they clasp hands, which then turns into an Indian coin. And now we get the titles of the movie we've been watching for about 40 minutes. And that's not enough. So then they fall into the water. They run along the bottom of the river and high five. Because, yeah, why not? Yeah, why wouldn't no, they do exactly. that? <laughs> and, like, it's full of really amazing imagery of, like, the Indian flags and stuff that come up throughout the movie. And, like, him using the flag to, like, go through the water, uh, through the fire. It is not subtle in its patriotism. No, no, and it we'll is probably not. talk about that a little more later, too. I just thought it was a really cool way of incorporating that into the movie and uh i mean it's not subtle but it's a cool way to do it without being like this is our flag but nothing in this movie is subtle (laughs) yeah and that is absolutely its charm and then if that's not enough this leads directly into the song dosti which just means friendship and they have this epic friendship montage (laughs) and we just get to see this extended montage of two men just having a great time becoming best friends they're out there they're rescuing goats they're riding horses and racing motorcycles there's epic aerial shots they're working out they're becoming best friends and meanwhile the music is narrating this wicked twist of fate and the saying like oh this is like a wildfire like versus a storm or whatever the lyrics are earnest and it absolutely works for me and it kind of gives me chills almost yeah right and there's these shots about them being separated from by barbed wire and you might think like this is incredibly on the nose especially for someone like me who's always saying like (laughs) oh it's so typical and this is like right on the nose but somehow it's it's just awesome Mm mm-hmm there's about 50 metaphors for how different they are. It's it's big. It's <laughs> on the nose. There's no subtle symbolism. 
just like everything in this movie. Like the action sequences, the dance sequences, this movie is not subtle, but it's going all out and it's completely sincere about it too. There's no irony at all. And like what you were saying about the humanity, in this sequence, we get to see them climbing a uh, mountain of people. Yeah. Essentially. And it's just more humanity. The score at this point is actual voices. Yeah. They're doing the da da dum da da dum dum. They're doing it all a cappella. Of course, there's music to it, but there's a lot of voices being used as instruments to mm-hmm. just kind of underscore that this is a movie about people. We are not trying to pull you away from that. We want you to feel how real, how heartfelt all of this is. And we're going to do that over this earnest friendship between mm-hmm. two men, something that we don't often get to see in movies. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen a like 15-minute montage of male friendship. No, and I'm I love here it. for no, it. I, it was I, great. It was awesome. It was just like guys being guys. And they're like, oh, you're a superhero. I'm a superhero. Look at this. I can do squats with you on my shoulder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they both just love each other so yeah. much. There's so much of a... Two action heroes smiling in this movie. Yes, there's something so that you don't get a lot smiling. of. And um, some of the scenes in this were really heartwarming. Like um, Beam took Rom home to like his family, and they all shared a meal together. And you can tell like they're like getting to know each other on like a almost love level. <laughs> yeah, they totally love each other. Yeah. And then Rum orchestrates a meeting between Beam and Jenny with throwing nails, getting her to pop her tire, which kind of a dick move, but Rum means well, I guess. Yes. There's all those language jokes where yeah. he's coaching Beam. That yeah. was a lot of fun, too. He's like, no, no, shake your head, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bit of Jenny's name, because he thinks her name is Don't Call Me Memsa, but it's just Jenny, yes. <laughs> Which I thought that was super funny because um, Ram, his reaction is like a friend's reaction to you saying something kind of stupid. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you're hilarious. And then Ram gives them a little makeover so they can go to the party. Also, more male best friend makeovers. I love the montage. This movie is pretty much just a three hour montage, but (laughs) so good. So this party scene was interesting. Is this your favorite part of the movie? This and probably the end credits song. The two big musical numbers. The two big musical numbers really. Just because of like having a dance background and seeing just how in sync they are and the scale of the dancing and everything is just really impressive to me. Yeah, let's get into that because you have the dance bully at the beginning. It's like, look at you, you country oaf and all of that. and. Seeing someone like that get their comeuppance in a dance battle? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a non-violent battle is like, it's great to have in a movie this violent. (laughs) And the dancing, top-notch too. Incredible. Like these two men are so in sync that like I just don't even know how they would have accomplished that. It looks fake. It's so good. And they dance with such ferocity. Joy. And that too, but their movements aren't exactly uh, fluid. No. And not because they're not good at it, but because this dance is really um, syncopatic. What would you call all of that? Uh, It's it's like a really, I don't know, like a hard hitting kind of dance. It's like, it's not really It's not smooth. It's rapid. It's like you're hitting a lot of beats and it's very like, 
It looks painful, kind of. Punctuated. It yeah. does look painful. They do this whole series of like punches with their arms. And I'm just like, like that big chop coming yes. across the body and, and the big kicks. And they do out. it like 50 times in a row. And I'm like, your shoulder would just be done. Like <laughs> you'd be seizing up. You'd be in so much pain. And I assume that they're doing this at a time where it's very, very hot outside. Probably. And they're dancing in dust too. So it's like very, very dusty. I just can't imagine that this would have been super fun to shoot. We watched all of those step up movies, which are dance movies. And I kept saying, why do they cut so much? Yeah. I can't actually see what they're doing. Yeah. This movie lets those shots go and you get to see this perfectly synchronized dance go on and you get to like really appreciate the artistry of yeah, the dance. Absolutely. What were some of your favorite parts of this dance? Well, probably the suspender section. The suspender dance is really good, yeah. The suspender dance is is fantastic. Just how they keep popping up behind people. Yeah. <laughs> that was so it's hilarious. That's but the only works. big cut parts is when they're like, Oh, we're over here now. Oh, we're over here now. Oh, we're here. Oh, surprise. <laughs> yeah, and those cuts aren't to hide the fact that they're not actually dancing. They're to show the effect their dance is having on all of these yes, people. Yeah. Right? What was your favorite part? Um, I really loved how in sync they were and how happy they were the whole time. One of my favorite parts was when Rom gives the British guy like a really sarcastic thumbs up. Oh yeah, we laugh at that even. <laughs> the most sarcastic thumbs up ever. Yeah, the the I guess the when it's just the three of them dancing at the end, I really like that. That was pretty awesome. Because that's when you start to see kind of the fatigue and how hard it is on everybody. And I think just also how joyful this all was. Yeah. That's my favorite part of it. I love that these heroes can dance, they can be emotional, they can rely on each other. Yeah. And that's a strength, not a weakness. No. Having your best friend come and bail you out is a sign of the strength of your friendship, not of that one person's weakness. Yeah. And your best friend knowing exactly what you need. Yeah. That's amazing. And throwing it at the end, kind of. Yeah, so that he could get the girl. And at the end, the dance is so intense that the audio itself starts warping and yeah. kind of falling apart. And Which that is was amazing. really interesting. <laughs> It kind of then makes you feel just how hot it must be, how dusty it is, how tired everyone is. Like, you hear it in the music, which was very, very cool. And we've been listening to the soundtrack around here <laughs> a good bit. And it seems to work out a lot that the end of that song is close to when I'm ready to plate dinner. And yep. I'm cooking, and I usually have a few different burners <laughs> and things going, and that always, like, stresses me the fuck out. I'm like, oh, wow, that is well done. That is stressful music. <laughs> you start to really feel it, and your, like, anxiety gets a little high during that part. Like we get a kind of a crash into harsh reality because one of the scenes right after this is when Ram is chasing Beam's like brother, cousin, friend, Lachu, yeah. and catches him. And we get that old theme 
that Rom had when he was beating up all those other people, that kind of imperial theme, and we're reminded, oh yeah, this guy's the villain. Yeah. After that friendship montage, that best friend dance, it's so jarring after all that, that this guy that we love is the bad guy. Yeah, I liked the difference between him in uniform and him in just like a shirt and suspenders. Like, I I liked the difference because it was very different the way that he acts and the way that the story goes when he's wearing his uniform versus when he's just hanging around with Beam. Yeah. <laughs> Although here he's still not wearing his uniform, but we get a glimpse of that, uh, the officer. Yes, absolutely. Meanwhile, Beam gets to go to her place, and there's that asshole guard guy who beat him up earlier because of the motorcycle, Mm -hmm. and he's being a jerk, and I hope he gets what's coming to him, that guy. Me too. (laughs) In Jenny's room, great furniture. Yeah, I want... Just the inside of that room. (laughs) I just want that somewhere in our house because it was just, it was very of the time, like very gold and it had a lot of really cool fabrics and stuff. And I'm sure most of her furniture was velvet too. And I just, I just love that opulence of that time period. Good floral prints. Good floral prints. Lots of gold legs and like big giant art pieces. And Beam hears Molly singing. And this is the same song that she sang at the beginning. She's singing here. And then he meets her but says like, I can't take you out now. And he sings a, um, a reprise, I guess, of that song back to her. That same tune. And that is going to come up. I think it's about four times in the movie as well. Do you know what the actress who plays Molly's name is? No, but I'm guessing you're going to tell me. Twinkle. That's <laughs> oh, a good name. First name's Twinkle, which I like. She was such a good actress. The little girl? For how like young she is. Maybe she just looks younger, but yeah, I think the song she sings and everything, she's just like very well done. And Twinkle is doesn't seem unusual to me because a lot of uh, Indian people, when they take kind of an Englishy name, right? Things like Twinkle Pinky is like was a big one. Oh, in yeah. Punjabi people, there's so many pinkies out there. <laughs> Isn't that what your siblings call your mom? Yeah, but that's only because she used to love wearing pink so much, not because of. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> uh, but he sings the song, and this is one of the many ways that they use songs in this because we just had the dance sequence when they are singing a song in the world mm-hmm. and they are singing a like a challenge song yeah in this one he starts singing to comfort her he stops singing but his voice continues on in mm. the movie like his memory is lasting with her which is a really interesting thing that i can't remember being done in a movie the different ways this is a musical yeah like sometimes the characters sing and they're singing in it Sometimes the characters sing and nobody can hear them, but they're talking about something. Sometimes the song is not sung by anyone in the movie, but narrates important things. Yeah, it kind of tells you what's going on throughout the movie. And I've never seen a movie do all three of those Mm -hmm. together. And I I love it. I love (laughs) it so much. The songs really carry you through the movie. And I, I found they helped me because I'm not as familiar with, these stories or um, even like Bollywood or Tollywood style movies. So I found the songs really helpful because they kind of caught me up with the plot if I missed something. 
which was really nice. And if you're like, wait, what am I supposed to be feeling here? Oh, here's a song yeah, that's explaining yeah. it to me. <laughs> I know you miss home. I'll take you home soon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're going to be okay. I'm here for you. And then you're like, oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> and Beam goes home and he kind of resolves to act. His sad lament turns into a sort of anger mm-hmm. and we know something's going to happen. And this then goes back to Rom torturing Lachu, mm-hmm. which when you saw this for the first time, you don't know the twist that's going to happen. No. What did you take away from this? I don't like snakes. That, Of course, that's one part of it. <laughs> I believe I crawled backwards out of the room one time when you were watching that scene. But I thought he was going to kill Lachu. And I thought that it wasn't going to be good. And how do you reconcile that, right? That's the hard part. Yeah. Um, we had this guy who's so lovable. Yeah. And we get reminded that he's the villain. Mm-hmm. Even though him and Beam are like best friends, their ideals seem to be so far opposite to each other right now that like I don't even, I remember thinking like, I don't really understand how this movie ends. Then. Like how can we redeem this? Yeah, character? like how how do we get to the end part and you kind of gave me the greatest hits when we first watched it after on, way back when during yeah. RRR week when you were so jazzed about this movie <laughs> um, you gave me kind of the the highlights of it and I was like I just don't understand how the plot goes from him torturing his brother or cousin to them being victorious in the end mm-hmm. so I had a hard time kind of doing that in my mind until I kind of thought out the whole scene i love lachu has that one line a dog cannot hunt down a tiger that was a good one yeah there's there's some really good lines in this and we get a little glimpse of sita at this point too we just see this woman she's not anywhere that we've been in the movie and we're just like wait a minute who's that (laughs) don't worry we'll tell you later yeah and then there's the bit with the snake that you talked about. I love that he catches a snake with his hand yeah. and then throws it at Rom. And Rom's like, oh, okay, you win. Be free. Live your life. Yeah. I'm going to go die now. Yeah, exactly. And I, snake as weapon was a really interesting way for him to kind of get out of that situation. And it's not going to be the only animal as a weapon. No. So then we have kind of a stumbling Rom. He's dying. And the next sequence has so much great dramatic irony through all of this because the characters are finding out things about each other. Yeah. Ram is learning about Beam, but of course he is poisoned at this point and can't really say anything. So Ram stumbles out and he starts kind of tapping the Natu Natu drum yeah. sequence. And uh, that gets Beam's attention. And he says, oh, actually, I haven't really told you who I am because not because I don't trust you, but Mm -hmm. because of your safety. And I'm going to go uh, save this girl. Her name's Molly. And here is my holy thread. I'm actually not a Muslim. Yeah, that was an interesting way to kind of tie together Latu and Beam as like the same kind of religious group and then also have Ram realize who Beam is. It's just these little things that he does and kind of, and and you're like, oh, okay. Like he knows now. (laughs) And the older guy, I forget his name, but he says to Beam like, oh, don't give that away. You need it. And he's like, no, he needs it more than me because Beam is entirely self-sacrificing throughout this movie as well. 
And then we get kind of a sad version of Dosti, the friendship song, because we also start hearing the chords of Ram's villain theme coming through the friendship song. Like his his past is coming through to ruin this friendship. Yeah. And the transition of Ram remembering the good times with Beam. Like he even has a flashback of those silly shots of him like... Uh, doing squats on his yeah. shoulders, them being friends. But then we start getting these memories of his father. So now we realize what those are. Those are memories. That's what the glimpses are. And we get to see that he's uh, he's torn between these two mm-hmm. worlds. Meanwhile, we finally get to figure out what Beam captured that tiger for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is... Just an incredible scene. I, I feel like I say that about like all of the really big scenes. They are. This is just like incredible. The only thing I have that is like a bit of a criticism is that the animal CGI just isn't quite there. No, it's not as good as your best CG movies. Uh-huh. But I feel more forgiving in this movie because there is a sense where you have to kind of um, suspend disbelief. Mm -hmm. And you do that for everything because everything's like it's everything's all heightened because it's not completely realist. It's easier for me to forgive. Like, that's not really how a tiger moves. But you know what? At this point, everything is so over the top that like, yeah, fine. I'm in for it. Cool. caught a tiger and is now using him as a weapon <laughs> because every shot of him jumping out with all of those animals like that's a poster every mm-hmm. shot of that is so great and we get to hear beam's theme that's more more tribal heavier on the drums has more kind of like a, a screaming singing to it At one point, he throws a leopard at someone. He fights that guy who was a jerk and like beats the shit out of him. And that was a lot of fun. That's very satisfying. He uses a lot of chains. Yes. Yeah. He whips him with those chains. That (laughs) was awesome. And then we start hearing that Rom villain theme again. And he comes in on a flaming chariot pulled by horses. And he's gotten back into uniform. And how they play this first realization of beams is great it's not outrage he's not being Mm -hmm. like you've betrayed me i'm gonna fight you he just does what i think a person would actually do if their friend someone that they loved betrayed them Mm -hmm. he appeals to his humanity to his sense of justice he's like what are you doing you're one of us why are you helping the british he's not angry at him he's just generally confused and and hurt by this which is so much more interesting than like, hey, you're on the wrong side. Let's fight. Yeah, that is a very human thing being betrayed by a friend. And so it's like a, an emotion that people can feel because I'm sure they've had that experience in their lives. It's like really interesting to see him go through all those like hurt feelings. And then if that's not enough, we get these fire and water motifs. Rom always has fire behind him. Beam always has these fountains and hoses and things. And their fight is uh, is great. The choreography, again, is mm-hmm. fantastic. Beam mostly has the upper hand. There's that wrestling sequence that was just so well done. And now we have Dosti, the friendship song, but it's like a scary version yeah. of it. It's like really intense at this point. And of course, it is that holy thread, the thing that 
links Beam to his community, to his past, but also is a symbol of how self-sacrificing he is. That's what comes back and um, and stops him in the end because Rom uses that. And we have that part where Beam's just like reaching up and punching Rom as yeah. hard as he can because he's so exasperated because he can't do anything now. Mm-hmm. He's been betrayed by his friend. They have a gun on Molly. So he's he's failed. He's worked this far mm-hmm. and he has failed. And he's kind of been a part of an instrument in his own failure because he's given him that uh, that holy thread. He's right. trusted this man who has now betrayed him. Rom has that bloody tear and we get that fire and water graphic that's kind of reminiscent of the first part of yeah. their um, their introduction. And then I guess uh, intermission. Yeah, that bloody tear was uh, kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> I really had a hard time with that. So now Rom gets that promotion and they do a very good job at making you want to see what the backstory of Rom is because we've been through all of this with him. We've seen this ultimate betrayal, but we don't really know why. We've had these little clips that we're trying to figure out what they mean. And now we get to see that backstory. And it is, I thought, very fulfilling because we get to see the backstory here actually links up with characters that we saw in the prologue with Mm -hmm. Scott. So we are now seeing that they actually have kind of a, a shared past. Yeah, it's interesting that you get Scott in that whole like both backstories Mm -hmm. like he's such a huge part of this movie he's not in a whole bunch of it no really just these two setups and then the big payoff at the end for something someone who's like so central to the plot i found it really interesting that you rarely see him unless it's for like a huge moment i think that's smart because i want the journey of these two characters Mm -hmm. more than him and i like that he kind of incites things and then uh Things culminate with yeah. him, but the most interesting part is the relationship between Ram and Beam, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that's what we see more of. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like the bad guy lurking in the background, or like the truly evil guy, because he's not at the forefront fighting, but yeah. he's and we don't pulling need... the strings in the background and kind of making it necessary for this story to happen. And how the rest of this movie works. I don't need backstory on Scott. No. Like, he's the bad guy? Cool. Got it. Let's go on. Yeah, absolutely. How did you like the whole background of Rum? Because we get to see that his father was in the British forces, resigned because he took part in this really unjust murder, but has now learned from them. And that's kind of an interesting uh, mm-hmm. part, too, that he has learned from the British. And what he has learned is a, a sense of machine-like brutality, really. Mm-hmm. Did you like the backstory? I liked the backstory. Like all of this movie, it was very brutal. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's no way to kind of sugarcoat this colonialism. So I'm glad that it was like very upfront because it's a violent pest. Yeah. And you shouldn't sugarcoat stuff like that. I liked that uh, Rom from a very early age was like a superhero with a gun. <laughs> it's like very, very good at shooting. Yeah, he's raised to be a killer and it was referred to simply as the weapon. He's going to be the weapon. Yeah. And in this sequence, first we get the to see that they are essentially making a militia. And then Rom proves his prowess with a rifle. And then when the Brits attack, uh, Rom's father, also named Rom, I believe. Yes. Rom Sr. is shooting everyone and eventually gets shot and his, his fingers are blown off. So his son takes the rifle and starts 
starts shooting as well. Mm -hmm. And he has to watch first his, I think it's his mother and his brother are killed. Mm -hmm. And his father won't let him mourn. He just makes him keep killing. And they have that kind of mantra, the uh, load, aim, shoot. And we get to see that he has been made into this... um, into this killing machine. Yeah, right? absolutely. I thought it was really interesting how he learns how to switch off his emotions in mm-hmm. order to get the job done. And you really start to understand who he's been throughout the earlier parts of the movie because he is able to just like compartmentalize it. It's Everything is in a, in place of a greater good. And yeah. we learn that that greater good is to arm all of his people. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's a hard side to take for, for me. <laughs> I don't know about you, um, that the happy outcome of this movie is people getting guns. We are cheering when a, a child learns how to kill people, right? Yeah. How That's, do you feel about that? I don't love that part of the story. I understand that if you're just looking at the story from like a broad overview of like people being able to come up against evil fairly... I agree with that. I think, yeah, you should be able to like fight back and you should be equally kind of matched. But when you bring guns into it, guns are guns are hard. And I have a really hard time like cheering for guns. True. But <laughs> did this movie make you no. perhaps against your will? Because maybe at the end. Do you not cheer when he shoots? It's just like return that bullet to him? Yes, absolutely. And here, when this child who is crying, watching his mother die, is shooting the soldiers, I'm I'm in for it. Yeah. And it kind of does make you cheer against your will for guns. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's definitely hard to to reconcile. I'm um I'm not a gun person. No. I uh, don't really see the point in, in my day-to-day life. But I think this might be one of those different time, different place kind of yeah. things. We are in Canada, but I think we're most inundated with American culture, and uh, that is definitely a gun culture. Oh, 100%, Here, yeah. too, I think it is quite different, though. A lot of uh, American rhetoric is like, it's in the Constitution. And mm-hmm. it, true, but that's a very different time and a very different place. It's important to look at what you were saying about how it's equality. It's equality. It's bringing your people up so that they can fight somebody who has a leg up on you. And I think that also reinforces the idea that the British did this Mm -hmm. because they had the weapons. And of course, their thinking at the time and to many people still is uh, some sort of exceptionalism. They think that, oh, we do this because we deserve it more. The We are better people than all of the people we have conquered. Mm-hmm. And this movie is showing like, no, you had the guns. That's yeah. what it, you had the guns and the will to use them. Yeah. And I think you could look at that. Um, a lot of um, American foreign policy now, there's a lot of thinking of like, oh, yeah, we go into those countries because we're better. and We know what we're doing. It's like, no, you you have the money and the guns. Yeah. And this movie is showing that when you equalize that there isn't an exceptionalism to to a colonizer. Mm-hmm. And when it's like that, that's how you get someone like me who, I, again, I got uh, people yelled at me like, you must be some sort of left wing. I was like, no, I am. I, I say that. Yeah, I'm very, very left wing. <laughs> I, I know that. But you get someone like me to, to cheer for it because it is equalization for unoppressed mm-hmm. people. So now we go into one of my both favorite and least favorite parts of the entire movie, your Passion of the Christ sequence, uh-huh. when um, 
Rum is whipping beam. Yes. And your favorite song. So that's the thing. This is a, the hardest thing for me to watch. Maybe the beginning when Molly's mom gets hit. That's That was a really hard that one. That was really rough. I don't like torture porn kind of movies. Mm-mm. I don't like your Mel Gibson stuff. I don't... I don't um, want to see flesh ripping. Like, that's just not... But in this movie, I don't know if it's necessarily gratuitous. Yeah. It seems to be part of it and everything is so heightened. I don't know. But what I do know is I love the thinking behind it. Mm-hmm. And I love the music in this sequence because at the beginning you have uh, Rom, he kind of takes a minute and collects himself and you can kind of see him thinking to himself, of, well, I've come this far, so I have, to, I have to keep going. Yeah. And it is an important scene because we get to see a change in Rom for the first time in this part as well. First, he tries to help Beam by pulling his feet out from under him and saying like, okay, it's over, he kneeled, but his Beam, being who he is, he won't allow his knees to touch the ground. He refuses Mm -hmm. to kneel. And of course, uh, what's her name? She brought her own whip because... Yeah, Governor (laughs) Scott's wife. That's just something she does. I found that really interesting that they made sure you knew that not all the women who were there with the army were like genteel, innocent people like Jenny. Right? Like, it was like, no, she's just as bloodthirsty as Scott. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, really interesting to see. And right from the beginning, we get that set up, right? Because Scott is um, hunting animals and is, I think, maybe paying for the right to do so. He's just, like, buying animals like nothing because yep. it's, it's just an animal. Yep. And she does the same by just throwing some coins on the ground and taking Molly. Yeah. And so we get that set up very early that these people think of the Indian people as nothing more than animals. And then if that's not enough, we get the um, the speech about the bullet of like, they are nothing to yeah. us. They are, I think it's brown rubbish is what they refer to earlier. And Molly being kept in a cage, basically. Yeah. And being trotted out for like special occasions. It, yeah, that's, that, that was a hard part to kind of watch for sure. In this sequence, there is a part where in the midst of all the torture, the wind kind of blows on Beam's face, and then he mm-hmm. starts singing the song, the Komaran Bimudo, which is maybe my favorite song. I love it. And it is to the tune of the song that Molly was singing. Yes. So it's further linking him to his people, to his tribe, to the land. Mm -hmm. And here, when he has that little bit of his land, like the leaf blows on his face. That's what... almost expect him to break out into like Colors of the Wind or something. Yeah, and he essentially does. It's exactly his Colors of the Wind moment where he's like... He can feel the breeze and it's the jungle kind of like talking to him. Yeah, he says, um, like, if you are from the forest, you will not bow to this unjust rule or whatever it is. It's, I don't, it works. It worked on me. It is so on the nose and silly if you try to explain it. But because this movie is so earnest and we've had, I don't know, at this point, an hour and a half with these characters, 
seeing how joyful he is, how determined, how self-sacrificing when he sings the song. I'm like, absolutely, I'm on your side. And that is not something easy to do, but is something very important because at this point in the movie, he is showing that my determination is a weapon. And that's what convinces Ram. His blood becomes that river. And we already had the water imagery. Like he sees his reflection in the water Mm -hmm. and gets the wind on his face. And then he starts singing his song. And now his blood is kind of creating a river. And as the blood reaches the people around him, they become convinced that this guy, this is our guy. He is for us. These Mm -hmm. people are not for us. And that's when they start rising up. And later on in the movie, um, or just like the next scene when they're kind of, um, Ram comes to the site after they've kind of uh, quashed that little mini rebellion, and he sees his reflection in water. And that's showing that he is being affected by Beam, and he sees the blood, Beam's blood. Mm -hmm. And he realizes that Beam's ability to inspire is a weapon too. It's not just about Mm -hmm. the guns. And his uncle comes while he's having this moment of reflection and uh, is like, you need to remember why you're here. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But like you have a purpose and a mission and like really gets him back on track. And Rom changes. He says, no, we're going to work on uh, freeing him, Mm -hmm. freeing Molly, because that's more important. His inspiration to those around him is as valuable as as weapons yeah and so that's why like i know this movie is yeah pro guns we need to arm the people to um to create that equality to uh, to rise up and that that is definitely a part of it but it's also saying that this determination this love of your home of your land of Mm -hmm. the literal natural land is as important yeah so then he orchestrates this escape, and there's lots of good tackles in that scene. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> there's the bit where it looks like Ram is going to be shooting Molly, but of course the bullet goes right between yeah, them and hits that soldier. Yeah, because he's just such a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of those moments where bullets just barely miss beam. Yes. Or the arrows at the end just barely miss him. <laughs> it's just like, it's incredible how accurate Ram is with a gun. Or a bone arrow. Did the death fake out here work on you? Because Beam still thinks he has been betrayed yeah. and does that big uh, the rock into the ground. And when I saw it at first, I was like, oh, I thought he, I thought he. Yeah, no, so him. did I. It was kind of a gasp moment where I was like, oh my God, is that how the movie ends? And then I was like, no, it hasn't been long enough. But like, also, that's where the movie could have ended. Yeah. Like 15 second montage and you're done. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely, it got me. Um, cause I totally thought that he had killed him. I also love in that sequence when Ram, he's kind of given up. He's like, I've, I've been found out essentially by this yeah. point. So he just grabs a guy in each hand. He's like one guy in one hand, one guy in the yeah. other. Then each leg grabs another guy and then they fall on a fifth guy. Yeah. And he just takes down five guys. And he's like, I don't even need to fight you at this point. I just need to let my friend get away. Yeah. And he just holds them there and so kind of gives shoot. up. Yeah, that was really interesting. At this point in the movie, I was also really impressed with the journey that Beam's gone on of like learning about like, I guess, the real world the way to put it because they say like the gone tribe they're um non-violent and they're like kind of innocent and they're not gonna like fight back about anything really and it's really interesting to see him go from like jungle tribe 
to learning about the real world and having kind of his heart broken and then having him learn um about the real world and feeling that anger at Raj or at uh Ram throughout this movie they they touch on that his naivety mm-hmm. is um is a big part of his character and I love a beam. Like, of course, Ram is like such a cool guy in this movie. <laughs> he is a very cool but guy. <laughs> I don't know if we I could have a preference, but I might like Beam. He might mm-hmm. be my boy. And at times, I feel like, well, they're not giving him the cool parts. They keep giving the cool stuff to Ram, yeah. and I was like, I want more for Beam. Do you feel that sometimes he was portrayed kind of like a as a simpleton or they, they use the word tribal a lot. He says, like, Oh, I, I'm just a foolish tribal. I didn't know all of this, yeah. but I'm not sure that that's what the movie actually says. I feel like beam feels that way because he is, um, whatever the opposite of conceited is. Yeah. Innocent. <laughs> he is definitely made to be innocent, but rather than him saying so often, like, Oh, I'm so dumb because I'm from the yeah. forests. He says that, but Usually those things are his strength, right? Mm -hmm. His strength is drawn from his innocence, from his determination, and from the land. Like Mm -hmm. in the Komoran Bimudu speech or song, he is drawing his strength from the land. So I think it's the movie is saying that this simplicity is not stupidity. It's not like a hindrance, yeah. No, it is his strength because it's that same simplicity that then convinces Rom to change and mm-hmm. uh, and free Beam. Yeah. And Beam knows what his job is throughout the movie mm-hmm. and he never loses sight of it. So I feel like if they were playing him as super simple, I he may have been easier to distract, I guess. So I feel like he's not as simple as they make it seem, I think he just takes a while to adjust to being in Delhi or wherever. I think it, that's yeah. where, yeah. Um, and like becoming this little fish in a big pond. And even if it is simple, I don't think he is stupid, right? No. He is simple and I believe that's part of his strength. But then again, most of the emotions in this movie are are simple. They try to make everything more direct, more straightforward. And his simplicity is more of a strength than a than a weakness. Mm-hmm. So now they are uh, looking for Beam, all the British. And meanwhile, Ram is in prison. He's just getting jacked. They say, oh, he's starving. Let's go meet him. Yeah, he's sitting there doing pull-ups. So they go, how are you going to do about this? They break his legs. They throw him in a cage. And of course, he just starts working out right away, yeah. which I love. That was so awesome. He is so one-track mind. And he really is like, I'm just going to keep my strength He's up. He's a killing machine. I'm just going to make sure that even if my legs don't work, my arms work. Yeah. And we can make this work together. <laughs> if only I had someone with real strong legs. If only I had someone who'd been doing push-ups with me on his shoulders. My squat buddy. <laughs> yeah. That was fun to see come back in the end. Yeah. Because it was like just a fun thing that they did at the beginning of the movie. But then by the end of the movie, you're like, yes, they practiced. (laughs) (laughs) And we get to see the return of Sita now. And she is coming to collect Rob's body, essentially. Runs into Beam. And Sita does the thing about like, oh, we have smallpox here. And this is another reminder that Beam is innocent and good but not stupid because he then comes to her and says oh who has smallpox let me help yeah because that's who he is he just trusts and he loves and he's just trying to do the best for everyone yeah i like how they do sita telling the story to beam Mm -hmm. 
they do these super quick flashbacks. It has Rom's kind of villain music going through it. And we get his face flashing and the different kind of looks he's had. Yeah. But now we get to see the conclusion because we didn't get to see how his father died. But Mm -hmm. here we get to see that. And we get to see that Rom had to essentially kill his father Mm -hmm. to help save everybody else. That was such an incredible scene. That was a hard scene to watch, but it was just really enlightening, I guess, on the rest of the movie. And it really tied things together really quickly. I think it's brilliant storytelling that you give Beam's introduction, who he is, what he's doing, and why he's doing it right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. No question about it. Then we save Rams until the second half of the movie. And then when you come back from the intermission, it's like, oh, here's his story. And it elucidates everything from the first half and makes you see this character in a whole new way. And you get a, a separate whole movie now. So, of course, Beam sets out to go find him. And how does he find him? He taps out their song that (laughs) Rom had drummed earlier. And now we get to see kind of a a triumphant version of Dosti coming through. when he sees him cries and apologizes and they're both doing a little bit of like apologizing yeah of i'm wrong no i'm wrong and like catching each other up kind of thing yeah like i met sitha and you know i understand what you did now and like it kind of went both ways and it was a really touching scene of like male emotion which you don't usually get in an action movie or just apologies yeah and then it switches into the super badass version of Dosti, which was great. And he throws Ram on his shoulders and they just run through as this two-headed monster <laughs> where Ram has guns up on the top. Beam is running and like kicking the shit out of people and throwing them through walls. There's one part where Ram is using rifles like little tiny handguns and yeah. bending backwards and spinning around and shooting people yeah. with rifles, one rifle on each hand. He shoots two guys, Beam runs up, catches them before they land, throws them through brick yeah. walls, and it's just nuts, but it's uh, works. Yeah. And how he reloads the guns. Like, he like, puts them down and Beam cocks them yeah, for him. Yeah, they don't so good. talk throughout this entire thing. They're just so in sync with their friendship that the other knows what the other person needs. Throughout the movie, they have these action sequences with no words being said. Yeah. Later on, you only hear the British people talking. Uh, right at the beginning, they do their hero shit without yeah. saying anything. Yeah. And they just let the action sequences be action sequences. We don't need to have a narration by mm-hmm. the characters or detached ironic quips. We're just like, we're doing this. Yeah, I got a guy on my shoulders and I'm going to go kick through pe- people through walls. That's what I'm doing. I don't need to talk about <laughs> Those it. Those are my plans. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is probably one of, if not the most literally unbelievable things, right? Because he's running on his shoulders. They're doing flips mm-hmm. as a two-headed person. It's super fantastic. But when somebody gets hit, you still feel it. It's somehow still real. Yeah. The, it's completely unbelievable, but there's a realness to it. It's different from like Top Gun, where the bad guys are all in sh- like black planes with like you can't see through their visors and there's no 
discussion after they're killed. Or in your Marvel movies where all the bad guys are just generic robots that yeah. have no face and it's just CG things smashing CG things so you don't really care. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a bunch of CG in this and people are doing things they couldn't possibly do. Mm -hmm. But every time someone's finger is like broken Ugh. or someone's foot gets stomped with a stick or they get kicked, you feel it. Everything has a yeah. lot more a lot more weight to it. There were some moments that were legitimately hard to watch because of the sound effects and then also what was happening on screen. And it was just, yeah, you feel it on like a deep level. <laughs> and I think that's kind of important if you're going to make a movie like this with this historical context, because mm -hmm. regardless of how fictionalized this is, it is rooted in um, in real acts of, of genocide and murder, mm -hmm. right? So you need to have the violence in a movie taking place at this violent era have some sort of visceral reaction. You need to show that violence is bad. Mm -hmm. And I know that this movie is a, is largely celebratory in its uh, use of violence because yeah. everything is over the top, but it still hurts. When it people does. get hit, it still hurts. And I feel like that weight is important given the historical context, but also it just makes for better filmmaking because you care about these characters a lot more. Yeah. And then we get into, I don't know, I could have said this three times already, but one of the best action sequences ever where <laughs> Beam has kind of healed Ram a little bit and Ram takes the clothing from, from Rama from like a, a Hindu deity, right? Yeah. So he's dressed like him. And, uh, this sequence, you could say like, oh, this is Hindu nationalism or whatever. But the actual Ram did wear those clothes, mm -hmm. too. That's a, a real thing. He dressed like that. So it is, of course, a um, a callback to the Hindu god Ram. Mm -hmm. But it is also historically accurate. Yeah. So you can't just say it's that. I only studied uh, Hindu religious stuff in my like, religion 100 class a long time ago. Mm. But uh, we did study the Ramayana. And a bunch of that is about Ram... Finding Sita, who, of course, they use their the same names right. in this. And Ram's kind of a helper is Hanuman, who is like a monkey god from the forest. And you could kind of say that like, oh, Beam kind of fits into that role. But maybe it's coincidental. Maybe it's intentional. But either mm -hmm. way, that's that's all there. But when he becomes the the archer with the long hair and the beard and the um, like the saffron colored clothes and he's in the forest... It's not just a Hindu religious thing, but it's also a uh, callback to that character's real life. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we kind of get to see this character of Ram becoming his true self for the first yeah. time. Because before we have that, the waxed mustache, we have the red jacket, or we have his, um, his military his uniforms. Perfect hair and like, yeah. And now he is um, being his, his true self. He's completely unrestrained. He's distinctly Indian now. He doesn't have that British influence to him. And how he's acting and dressed just has a sense of freedom. And he's who he really wants to be. Mm -hmm. But he's been made to be this uh, kind of killing machine this mm -hmm. whole time. Yeah, that was a fun kind of transformation to see. And then when they have him backlit, with like the billowing uh, fabric and everything. That was just like really epic. And I liked it. <laughs> That's such a cool, cool scene. Because yeah. they go, put the light on him. And we get this like, awesome hero shot. Yeah. And I guess we, we kind of have to talk about the ideas of um, patriotism going to nationalism and jingoism and how that relates to all of this. And I don't 
really want to because I'm tired of it. And I, we're, of course, coming to it from a, a Canadian perspective, mm-hmm. or at least the, the Western world. And like so many things, if you're here and you're um, not white or not Western, you don't get the same privileges afforded to what kind of the usual is for mm-hmm. us. When it's something else, we kind of put ideas on it about what does it say about those people. Mm-hmm. Like so many times in my life, I've said, had people tell me like, oh, I didn't know Indian people do blah, 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 whatever I'm doing. And I was like, no, that's just me. I'm just, I'm just a guy. Yeah. I'm one person. And because there's so little exposure to Indian cinema here, mm-hmm. when I hear people talk about it, they have a lot of criticisms of it that I think can be, can be quite unfair. Like with so many things, if you are not in the majority, you speak for your entire minority. And we don't look at other things the same way. We don't talk about how um, jingoistic Top Gun and Captain America are in the same way. Because we're used to it. And mm-hmm. we don't talk about how um, the Christ imagery in Superman is problematic and, um, and right-wing because we're used to it. But a movie like this doesn't always get the same privilege. And just like how minorities in the Western world don't. Mm-hmm. You're speaking for everyone in your group and that's not entirely fair like we don't blame uh, the punisher movies because right-wing people are using that skull as a symbol and um using it as an excuse for um like police brutality or white supremacists are co-opting it it's not the punisher's fault but when i read things about this they are uh, attaching a lot of that kind of meaning to this movie if it's there it's there and you can make that argument but i feel like we in general, don't look at our own media under the same scrutiny as others. Mm-hmm. We th- look at one movie and we say like, oh, this is what Indian people believe because of this and this and this. But this is one movie in so, so many. And I think that you're kind of overstating it if you're trying to put that argument on it. Because a lot of people look at him donning the, um, like Rama's clothes and mm-hmm. they're saying, oh, this is a distinctly Hindu movie now. And it is a part of that right-wing movement. But like Rajamuli himself is, I, I don't know a lot of this stuff very well, but mm-hmm. from what he says, he's a relatively liberal guy. And it's hard to be liberal in a, a lot of the media there. And this is what, saying things like this is what made people very, very angry <laughs> at me. Because I, uh, clearly there are people who are on the right who say, who take the idea of, yeah, this movie's about getting the British out of our mm-hmm. side. And I'm like, yeah, great. But then they're like, yeah, and also let's get rid of um, like the Sikhs and the Christians and the mm. Muslims too. And you're like, no, no, wait, wait. Too far. <laughs> yeah, because you can celebrate having a dominion over your mm-hmm. own land. I feel like that is something to celebrate, to take back something that has been taken from some from people. Mm-hmm. That is worth celebrating. Yeah. And I personally think the movie stops there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of other people are saying, like, yeah, let's extend that idea. So let's talk about, like, who else can we get out of India? And I don't think that message is baked into this movie, but I mm-hmm. see that a lot of people are taking it that way. Right. And I blame those people rather than the makers of this film. Right. The right wing can co-opt anything, and they often do. Like, if they can take um a cartoon of some silly frog and like, oh yeah, that means um, kill all the black people. You're like, wait, where does that come from? Yeah. But if you are a twisted person, you can twist anything to fit your own. And that's, yeah. And, that's... and there are elements here that can be taken that way. But it's like in Canada, we can be like, 
hey, our Olympic hockey team is doing well. And we're like, yay, good, patriotism. But then there's someone who's always like, yeah, and it's so much better this year because there's no blacks on the team. And you're mm-hmm. like, wait, what? How come we went there? Yeah. People always take it that next step. And I think just with art in general, it's just so hard to to blame something for how people take it. And then you can be like, if you're creating this type of art in this type of political climate, you're inviting that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very complicated and very convoluted. And I just kind of hate it because I feel like there's so much of this movie that is about is about joy and mm-hmm. love. And I, I hate to see that uh, applied to and taken to some pretty bad places. Yeah. I just want to go back for a second to the idea of uh, like taking back your lands and your rights under like colonial rule and i found this really interesting so there aren't a lot of great epic movies like this about people in canada and what the british did to uh like my people and i found this really inspiring and like a really interesting way to kind of view colonialism in like kind of a broader brushstroke because we didn't learn that in school and we didn't really learn what we're learning about now Absolutely. And how it's shown in movies that are largely um, for entertainment, Mm -hmm. we'd often see like, oh, sure, the Brits did this, but there's also the good things Mm -hmm. they did. That's how it always came to me in movies. And to see a movie where it's like, no, they're They're bad. Colonialism is bad. Full stop. The end. I got behind that. I got so behind it that I'm cheering for a child shooting them, right? Yeah. (laughs) And that's a long stretch for someone who who believes the things that I believe. But I was fully on board. I'm like, yeah, fuck them. Yes, take your land back. Absolutely. And that's why it's even more harmful when people take that to places that is further exclusionary Mm -hmm. rather than what I think are some really cool ideas in this movie about all of India uniting mm-hmm. against a common enemy. And just like in all things, people take what they want from it. And um, maybe I, being someone who hasn't seen that kind of messaging, I was very susceptible. And maybe there's bad stuff in there and I'm just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, and we're jumping ahead, but at the end when they're showing all of the different people from different parts of India yeah. who are united and not all Hindu people, and they're saying these are our heroes, these are the embers that created our future independence, mm-hmm. it works. It, it works work. for me. Yeah. And yeah, it's um patriotic or nationalist or whatever, but if it your patriotism is, yes, get the people who are killing us out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I feel like you can be all on board for that. Yeah, and I really liked the message of this movie as applied to any place that was colonized, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether it's in the South America or anywhere, I really liked the message of this movie and I felt like it really had a, a strong impact on me. It was really good. It is really good. It's really good. So yeah, fuck those people <laughs> and all the people who are going to complain about that. I, I don't, I don't know if you're um like a right wing person who uh, believes in the extermination of certain religious groups. Yeah, I guess you can send me all the angry emails you want because you're a dick. Yeah. Should we get to something nice and fun? Yeah. I feel like that was all convoluted and maybe didn't make any sense, but it's just been very much bothering me. No, that's good. But so he gets revealed in that spotlight and you're like, oh, shit. And then he lights everyone on fire. 
doing some more fire imagery. Beam pops out of the water, and that's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's very on the he nose. He shoots a arrow through a tree, and the guy's like, oh, luckily it didn't hit me. So then he fucking kicks it the rest of the way through the tree, <laughs> goes through yeah. that guy's skull. He bounces off of it and shoots another arrow. Fucking awesome. It's awesome, yeah. Everything about this, like, it's just one awesome thing after another. And it almost seems like it was put together by like a teenage boy who loves action movies yes he's like okay but what if this happened and then this and then what if they came and like did this and that and like it was really cool and there was an explosion and And it's like all in there (laughs) beam kicks a guy towards rom rom shoots the arrow through him the guy's body continues so rom catches the arrow pulls it out and shoots someone else with it yep that's fucking awesome recycling it's important Musically, this is a, a great sequence as well because we have the uh, Ramam Ragavam song. And I love this theme so much. Because it feels at home with how these characters are, in particular, Rom is kind of being uh, reborn here. Because now we don't have that more militaristic march Mm -hmm. that was the evil Rom's kind of theme, the military Rom. Now he is joining Beam as being like someone of the forest. So we get this more tribal drumming. It's equally heroic and fear-inducing. It's kind of the perfect counterpoint to that old um, military, more fascist theme that yeah. we had. Now it's uh, it's free and it's just fits so well. And it's also commenting on what they are doing and it's reintroducing these characters. Mm-hmm. And it's telling you how awesome these people are and how they're going to kick your ass and then they come and they do it. Yeah. In full superhero style. Yeah. I do wish uh, Beam got some more cool kills in this part, though. It's true. It is a little bit more about Rom. Yeah. But... But they were great. They're so good. Beam does get some cool parts on this movie. Oh, definitely. He does uh, pick up a motorcycle and use it as a sword and fights people (laughs) with it. And they throw a motorcycle just into like a burning building. And Beam gets to be the hero through the first part because we know his motives are mm-hmm. all good. And he has the sequence where he um, inspires the big group and yeah. um, changes Rom's mind too. So I guess he gets the first half more. But I do feel like I could have done for some more Beam kills at the end. Yeah. And at the very end, you get this nice moment where they kind of acknowledge that they both have things to learn from each other. Well, let's get there. Okay. So they turn their sights on the palace. They, uh, like you said, launch a flaming motorcycle (laughs) into the armory. There's big explosions. The terrible lady dies. Beam goes and pulls all of the guns, just like pallets and pallets of guns. He just pulls them because that's what he does. (laughs) Because superhero. Scott is there and Rom starts giving the bullet speech. Yeah. And the bullet speech, of course, comes in a few times. And it is very heavy handed, but I think it's... It's still pretty well done and important because sometimes we need a reminder that, yes, this is a 
absolutely terrible. And that is, in fact, how these people were looked upon. Mm -hmm. The British colonial empire was evil. And let's uh, just say that. We don't need to say that to sugarcoat that. And uh, sometimes the bad guys can just be bad guys. Mm -hmm. And Governor Scott, I like this moment where he realizes kind of who Rom is. And he remembers that moment and like, oh, I didn't even catch that. You kind of see him spark and then he's scared because mm. he remembers that fight or whatever it is. He does use that speech a lot, it seems like. Yeah. So it's one of the it's many one of the many he's times he's done that. Yeah. But it was really interesting to kind of see that spark of recognition. It's small, but it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And then he kills him, beam shoots him. Because they say, like, what, return this bullet to yeah. him. And it splatters over the uh, the sun never sets on the British Empire yeah. sign, which is something that British people still say unironically mm. as, like, oh, aren't we awesome? That's not great. I had someone say that to me, and I was like, oh, when was fuck that? You. <laughs> it, it comes up. It comes it up? It comes up. It's oh my God. not the first time. I have met people in Europe who refer to Canada as the colonies. And I was like, oh, yeah, I thought about visiting the colonies. And I was like, oh, don't don't say that, no, please. No, we don't say colonies. <laughs> but that's what you are. And I was like, ooh, don't say that. No. <laughs> Yikes. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's not good. So then at the end, we got what you were talking about, where Beam says, um, in return for the help, what can I do to you? And Beam says, like, teach me. Teach mm -hmm. me, my brother. Yeah. And at first, I felt like they didn't get equal treatment because at the and Beam is saying, like, I need to learn from you. But we also did have the lesson that Beam taught Rom halfway through the movie. So mm -hmm. it seems like a suitable balance that they yeah. both learn from each other. Yeah, because they both have very different backgrounds and reasons. But in the end, they were both fighting for the same thing. Yeah, Beam is kind of teaching Rom uh, at the halfway point that inspiration is powerful mm -hmm. like a weapon. And Ram teaches Beam that like organization can be something that's important yeah. too. Like you need the passion and the organization, mm -hmm. which together yeah. they're going to be unstoppable. And then there's your maybe second favorite part yeah. with the song at the end. I don't know. I have a hard time because they're different things. Like one's part of the movie and one's like the it's final so different, end scene. Yeah. So they're like very different and hard for me to be like, this one's my favorite. But this one is so much fun because you get to see the characters or like the actors as kind of more of themselves, like as they would style themselves. And you get to all see all of these really cool kind of cultural things throughout this whole music video, basically. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, all of the people that they show are real life revolutionaries from different parts mm -hmm. of India who often have different languages or religions or just from different parts in general, because mm -hmm. uh, India is very, very multicultural. Yes. <laughs> so... I love that as a way to show that, yes, these two people were from a similar area in real life, mm -hmm. but they are from an area that has been since um, bifurcated. What's an easy way to say that? Split in two. <laughs> <laughs> but one is from each, and they're showing that we are of the same culture, which is uh, Rajamuli's culture mm -hmm. himself, the, the director, who then shows up in this sequence <laughs> singing, which... Which is awesome. When I was talking about that this movie has songs the characters sing, yeah. the director sings the message of the movie, yeah. the narration sings what the characters are doing, the characters 
sing in the movie, but also non-diegetically sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so many different ways to get music into it and all brilliant. Yeah. And I love it. In this part, they are showing people from all around India, and for someone like me who is kind of getting caught up in that patriotism, or at least the anti-colonialism, yeah. That was was great. I loved it. I got to see, um, like, I'm of Punjabi descent, and I got to see the Punjabi guy, and they yeah. all wear their Sweet vests. <laughs> if you're not um, Indian or don't know lots of things, uh, the style of uh, bug or uh, turban that someone's wearing, you can see what they're wearing, and you can tell where they're from. They are very distinct often. Yeah. So seeing all of the different clothing from different parts of mm-hmm. India and getting to learn a little bit about those characters, or not characters, real-life people, was was awesome. I was in for it. As someone who has come into the Indian culture like <laughs> just recently, um, I think it was really helpful for me to see kind of the difference between even just in dress because the characters are wearing whatever the group of people would be traditionally wearing. And so that was really neat and it was kind of a good reminder that it's not just an Indian people, it's many Indian Yeah, for a good while in this movie, Beam is pretending to be Akhtar and pretending to be Muslim, and the the clothes he wears makes him distinctly Muslim. So that clothing we might not think of it as a disguise but to that world that is definitely disguise yeah. you wouldn't think that that and that was is. kind of something that was lost on me at mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie and i think this song even like when you kind of pointed some stuff out for me i was like okay so then that makes a lot more sense to me because i don't really notice the like intricacies of some of the things that they wear but it was really interesting to get that kind of like behind the scenes uh, look at what everybody wears and how different all these cultures are. And I wish we had a, a six-hour episode so we could just go through all of the stuff throughout <laughs> all the, the movie. Because, oh, I'd love to do like a deep dive on all of the outfits in this movie. And the, who those people were yeah. too is kind of interesting. I only know like three of them. Mm-hmm. So there's some there's some cool stuff in there. I know we showed it to your mom and she was like, oh, oh, like yeah. <laughs> she knew a bunch of them and it was pretty cool. And I like that the song is about embers because you think, like, where is Mahatma Gandhi? He was kind of like a big figure in that. And it is about the kind of the smaller scale, the embers that led to the fire mm-hmm. of the independence movement. And this was kind of, this is in the 20s, so Gandhi wasn't so big yet. Mm. Right? He was just starting. But him and um, Ram kind of uh, interacted. I'm not sure if they met, but they knew of each other and they commented on each other. Oh, that's really interesting that. Uh... They would have met each other. We should probably just wrap this up. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What do you, where do we wrap it up? I have so much more to say. I feel like we just summarized and didn't even analyze, but yeah. you know what? I think we analyzed a bit. I think the fun part about this movie should be the fun. Go watch it and have fun with it. Mm. And uh, I think our Western world has a lot we could learn from a movie like this yeah. because we definitely have a formulaic 
action movies. Yes. And that's not necessarily an insult. Um, it's a formula that, like, Marvel has the Marvel formula, mm-hmm. and a lot of other, most things are, are franchises now, but a lot of other franchises have their kind of formula. And everything in those goes uh, a certain way. There's a certain way you do things. But the longer you use the same formula, you try to change things a little bit, and mm-hmm. you become more detached. You do everything knowing that's a part of that formula, and you start becoming meta, which sometimes it's fun. Like, I like uh, the Deadpool movies, for instance. Those are super meta, but they can be fun. But more often, things just have this um, ironic detachment. Like, we have to say, like, isn't it so silly that uh, there's superheroes just in this world funny, huh? But look, now they're eating shawarma. They're just regular people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fun, to a point or yeah. you're super serious and like yeah that man's dressed like a bat and that man's dressed like a penguin and it's so so serious <laughs> and this movie brings back something that i think a lot of western especially the blockbuster type movies could learn from and it's just being earnest about mm-hmm. things just having fun with things and that seems so easy to say but maybe it's not that this movie has a new approach but it's almost like um it's less of a re- revolution. It's more like a reset. It's a reset back to relationships that we mm-hmm. care about. It's resetting to sad parts being sad and happy parts being happy. And that is fun. It's a reset into all of these fun spectacle things. We should treat like fun spectacles. I would watch any Marvel movie where there's a dance off. Oh, 100%. oh no, wait, that happened in Spider-Man 3 and it was the worst. Did it? Yeah, but it was... We're not going to talk about Spider-Man Okay, never mind. (laughs) Reset. (laughs) Just lean into all of the things that make us love these big spectacle movies Mm -hmm. rather than poking fun at them or showing how silly they are. Yeah. I liked that they weren't shy about showing, like, the male friendship and the male relationship in this. I think everything this movie tries to do it tries to be a musical, it tries to be action, it tries to be a friendship movie. It does each thing completely unapologetically. Mm-hmm. And that's and what on. I think is uh, 100%, <laughs> 120% or whatever it is. Yeah. All the way. And that's what I love about it. Because if you're going to make a fun movie, make a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, I will probably always lean towards those like smaller, more subtle movies But that doesn't mean I don't like a big, giant action blockbuster. I just feel like a lot of those movies don't do what I want from them. And Mm -hmm. this movie does. It gives you everything you could want in a big blockbuster action musical historic drama popcorn movie. Mm -hmm. And it does all of those things with such unapologetic joy. That's what I love about this movie. (laughs) I agree. Done. Done. I think we did a really good job of summarizing that movie. I don't know that we did. I think this might have been a terrible episode. It might have been a great one. I don't know. And I want to have a conversation about this movie. So you uh, talk to me. Meet me on the street and we'll chat. We'll talk about this movie. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's meet on the street. Not anyone who uh, believes in the extermination of races. <laughs> Fuck you guys. If you're into genocide, let's not talk. <laughs> I, I hate that uh, that's uh, a caveat I have to put out there. We shouldn't have to, but I can't believe it. But we live in the world we live in, don't we? We do. Yeah. And it sucks. 
<laughs> but you know what world doesn't suck? The world of RRR, oh, where so you can good. just love everyone. Yeah. And you can have a best friend without like any allusion to you being in love in a sexual way. Like that was really nice. Like you truly got that love of a best friend without them making it weird or expressly sexual. Yeah, that or that they have to have a competition. Like the only competition yeah. they have is in the one dance off when they're like, all right, you're ready. Yeah, and it's I'm ready. Fun. And it's fun. And then one of them throws it on purpose to help the other guy out yeah. because he loves them. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And I think this is such a good movie in so many ways. All right. Before we wrap <laughs> things up, one last question. Okay. Oh, and one thing we didn't talk about was the language of the movie. Oh. Um, if you watched it on Netflix, it's in Hindi. That's not the no. original language. So we watched the, the Telugu one and it was great. And we've watched the Hindi one and that's great too. Yeah. But the actors are doing the other languages. I think it's been recorded. The soundtrack and the actual movie have been dubbed in at least four languages I know of. And those actors actually do it themselves. So that's pretty sweet. That whole idea of the fact that they are like actor, singer, dancer, like triple threats. Yeah. And also multilinguists. Yeah. It's just incredible to me. And it makes me feel like our actors in Hollywood might be slacking a little bit. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm tired mean? of every superhero <laughs> just expressing all of their emotions by clenching their jaw a little bit. What do you mean you can't do the Chinese dub? <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> you should be able to. <laughs> oh, but my question was, uh, since... This did so well. This was, of course, a one-off, but now there's talk. Maybe we do a sequel. What would you like to see as a sequel? I think they put to bed that, like, rom-beam friendship. I'd like to see two other Indian kind of folk heroes come back and do the kind of a similar thing. Absolutely. What I say you do as a sequel, you still call it RRR2, but the sequel is only that you're bringing back those three guys. Mm -hmm. We're going to take on two other Indian yeah. revolutionaries. Maybe some of the people who are in the back of uh, the last song. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking was like two of those who and then you kind of get closer to Gandhi and that kind of thing. But sure. like you or could, you go further back or you even. go further back. Yeah. But I thought it would be a really interesting way to kind of teach the whole story of the like, Indian revolution. I would be absolutely in for it. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need these characters again. We need the friendship and we need the actors. Yeah, absolutely. And our second sponsor of the episode is the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. They explore the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant community to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com or wherever you're listening to us. All right, well, let's wrap it up real fast because this might be our longest episode. It's either this or Into the Spider-Verse. We'll this see how this... This is like a really fun one to talk about. So. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. I had some uh, reservations about doing this episode. Oh, no, this is great. So next week, join us again where we'll have two spoiler-free reviews with our thing of the fortnight and we'll learn what we're watching for Sam's pick and we are still going to keep it in the 2020s for another two weeks. <laughs> so join us for some contemporary picks. Yeah, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone.